This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What up, listener? We wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this Blue Wire podcast. Be sure to show your support to this pod by subscribing and dropping a five-star review on iTunes, a follow on Spotify, or the appropriate dap for any other platform you might be listening on. And if you're enjoying this show, chances are you'll like one of our 75 other sports podcasts. Find more shows you'll love at BlueWirePods.com. Thanks again for listening, and now back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Blue Wire. Think about Lois. Fires to the end zone. Touchdown! Alabama wins! Elliott. Dodge the eye of this national championship win. A deep throw by Lawrence. A lot of contact. Justin Ross broke free from it. He's down in the end zone. Touchdown, Clemson. Welcome into episode 63 of Press Pass. I'm Kayla Anderson alongside my co-host Joshua Perry. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Online. So, Joshua, um, hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. It was one that was a little bit interesting. I guess I was thinking it was going to go one way. And then the fourth quarter popped up, and here we go. Here come the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, congratulations on them winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years. Yeah, it's kind of wild. Not You know, I anticipated that Kansas City would win because Patrick Mahomes is an alien. Um, yeah. And you were right. There was a moment in that game where you felt like Kansas City was reeling defensively. They couldn't get stops. Offensively, Patrick Mahomes throws two interceptions and eight pass attempts. Yeah. Um, and he's not that quarterback. So you're like, man, <laughs> did they did they figure these cats out? And Patrick Mahomes is like, no, they didn't. And he does what he typically does. And he looked human at times, but he was elite in the big moments. And it was a big reason why they won the game. I'm also, first of all, I guess it's not like I'm a fan of Kansas City, obviously. I did watch them play two times in person this year. And so I was able to see that talent. But first and foremost, I was able to see Patrick Mahomes up close and personal. And I will say, I mean, this guy is something special. And you can't help but like him. Just the way he carries himself, the way he rallies his team. And I guarantee you that that will not be his first Super Bowl. I think that he's going to be able to bring his team back uh, many times. And then I wanted to also say congratulations to Andy Reid because this is Andy Reid's first Super Bowl. If that Super Bowl win, it's crazy to think about that because we look at Andy Reid and I think now it solidifies the fact that he should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, definitely, Coach. He was going to be a Hall of Famer in my book regardless of whether he won this Super Bowl or not. But you're absolutely right when you say it cements him in there. And he's, I mean, it was so funny. He he is who he is 
after the game, they asked him, you know, how you're going to celebrate. And he said he was going to go get the biggest burger he could find. And then yeah. he said, maybe a double. And I couldn't help but laugh. Like, thank you, Andy Reid. Um, and Patrick Mahomes, you're absolutely right about him. Just the the energy that he provides and like, I mean, literally the marketability yeah. for that city and for himself personally is awesome. But, um, you know, I always joke around with people like he he has such a terrible voice. Doesn't he? Like Kermit? It is Kermit. Um, <laughs> and it would be a hell of a deal if like when he retired from football, he decided he wanted to be a TV guy because yeah. I couldn't listen to I him. I know. That's the one thing you're like, man, unless you've got your, unless your voice changes over time, which Joshua, I will say <laughs> it does happen to some people who, I mean, even my broadcast voice over time has gotten a little deeper and isn't yeah. as kind of pitchy. So, you know, maybe it could happen for him, but you're right. I mean, that's the one thing you're like, ah, don't know if you have a, a future in broadcasting. Uh, before we get into yeah, some college talk. To... <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead. As I say, he just needs to stop talking in his throat. It's just terrible. Yes, exactly. Go through, like, oh. through, through the diagram. Through the diagram. Yes. Um, really quick before we get into some college talk, I wanted to ask you two things. First of all, did you like the halftime show? And the second question, what was your favorite Super Bowl ad? So the halftime show may have been one of the worst halftime shows <laughs> I have ever seen. And it's not because of the half-naked uh -huh. middle-aged uh -huh. women. I am all for the empowerment. Sure. I think, you know, the reality of the situation is both of them are very easy on yes. the eyes. And that's what they do. They've been performers. They dance. You know, the choreography is what yeah. they do. I just, I think that neither one of them has great music. They have good yeah. music, but not great. And so it just, it, it wasn't a draw yeah. for me. So I guess I just, I got to go with that. Uh, the best ad. Um, when they brought Jake from State Farm back oh. and they had that little twist at the end where, you know, Jake was a different Jake, yes. but he was still wearing khakis. That's, I thought that I was like pretty that. I like that. I love that commercial because it always sticks in my head for some reason. Like the coach, yes. I can like yes. read it. It's it, like in my line, in my head, I can read lines all the time. So I like that one. Absolutely. My thoughts on the uh, halftime performance, I love the fact that it was two Latinas uh, representing their culture and two, yeah, and two women um, above 40 who, uh, first of all, look fabulous and who owned it up on that stage. But I will agree with you. I think the ending was my favorite because of how they collaborated together and you, you kind of felt the energy uh, with them together on the stage, but separately, I just think you're right with the music. I've never been a huge fan of them musically, just because I think their voices are more, it's more tending to lend to the entertainment side of things. Whereas you got a person like Lady yes. Gaga who gets on the stage at the Super Bowl and you hear her, her vocals. And it's just like something about yeah. that energy and that what, you know, how she sings and the way she puts it all together uh, is really what's a difference for me when it comes to those halftime performances. Because you look at like last year too in Maroon 5, I, I just was like, what is this? You, it wasn't really vocally um, yeah. satisfying to me. So. And, and that's the question. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll jump in on that too. Like for Maroon 5, it definitely wasn't vocally satisfying. And if it weren't for the fact that Adam Levine was running around <laughs> there with his shirt off, like I don't know how many people would right. have been entertained. Um, and even yesterday, 
uh, Yolanda Adams, who's one of the great gospel singers, sang uh, America the Beautiful, yeah. and she did a great job. And then oh, Demi yeah. Lovato, who I'm not really a fan of, I did not know yeah. she could sing like that. Yeah. Like she was very powerful yeah. and soulful and just like she did a great job. And then to follow up in a halftime show with like marginal singers who are very, very good entertainers, like, but just the exactly. music didn't Sometimes get it Sometimes it's, it's good when you've got like the whole thing on the same level in terms of, you know, you got entertainment, but you really, yeah, I felt like sometimes there was lip syncing involved. And then that's when I'm, you know, that's when I'm kind of yeah. like, uh, you lose me for a second. Cause I'm like, isn't this supposed to be, everything's supposed to be kind of like live and that's the point of it. So that's the only thing that I didn't like about them, but props to those two for representing again, their culture and uh, just being women and empowering women. I thought that was very cool. My favorite Super Bowl ad uh, was Bill Murray making a return uh, as Groundhog's Day uh, collaborating with Jeep. I thought that was hilarious. He's like carrying around the groundhog everywhere. And it was, it was really funny. I guess it won like in terms of how many people liked it. Yeah. The best didn't, didn't really hit with me. And I, I, I don't know, I guess it's just because I think the Jeep truck yeah. is kind of like yeah. dumb, but everybody loved that commercial. So I guess it must've been a good one. I'm, I'm <laughs> That's wrong. okay. We all got our different, our different tastes. There's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> let's let's get into some college talk since this is technically a college podcast. But, you know, we had to talk Super Bowl. How could we ignore that? Yeah, <laughs> this does attitude. relate, though, because all this week, you know what I really do enjoy about the Super Bowl? I actually enjoy the week of because I like tuning into all of the national shows. Uh, Dan Patrick show, Rich Eisen is what I watch a lot of um, during that week because a lot of these guests – from college, uh, from, you know, there's actors, there's current players, they all come on these shows and they make their rounds. And a lot of the times you can see these guys in, I guess, a more loose atmosphere. They're not as buttoned up. You learn a little bit more about mm-hmm. them. They're down there in Miami, you know, they're sipping drinks by the the poolside. They're, they're representing and marketing their things. And so it's kind of a l- more laid back atmosphere. So Tua Tungavaloa was one of the guys who made the rounds this week on some of the media platforms. And my first thing that I thought about was when he walked out on the Dan Patrick show and they introduced him, the first thing I did was look at, okay, how's he walking? How's he coming along since this hip surgery? Uh, He seemed to, you know, he seemed to be fine in terms of the way he was walking and he seemed to feel good. And he said on Monday, speaking of when we're recording this podcast right now, he was going to get an actual, you know, look at the timeline of how he's coming along. But I wanted to ask you, uh, as a guy who has been through the draft um, and all of that stuff, what what are your thoughts on Tua? Because I think people are fluxing right now ever since that injury on where he's going to go in the draft. And it has a lot to do and only to do with the health. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the biggest critique right now is, as a player, is he durable enough to last a full NFL season to play you know, a long NFL career, which is what you want quarterbacks to do. And I think there is a little bit of a shift away from the you know, 12, 15-year quarterback career in the NFL, probably to more of like a eight-year window of elite play and then kind of falling off after that because you're asking quarterbacks to play differently nowadays. But I think that he is one of the elite talents um, at quarterback that we've seen. And I think mentally he's got the makeup. He's obviously very smart. 
Um, if you can survive a Nick Saban program, then you can survive the NFL just from a mental standpoint. Physically, he's got the tools to be a great quarterback. It's just will his body hold up. So for him, the most important aspect of this pre-draft process is going to be his medical yeah. evaluations at the combine. And I'll tell you from personal experiences, medical really? evaluations are hell. And um, yeah, they're hell if you're healthy. And I was mostly healthy. Um, and they're they're tugging on your joints. And they'll now yeah. two is gonna make sure they're not doing all that. But I mean, they're they're pulling on your knees and your arms and they're, you know, they're having you do all kinds of different, you know, <laughs> touch your toes and do this and do that, testing your flexibility. And, you know, they're testing your reflexes, all kinds of stuff. And then um, everybody goes and they get a full body scan. My scan came back that I had a, uh, a non-ossifying kind of mass in my knee uh, akin to a tumor. So I've, I've got a, a, a spot in my knee where the bone did not completely grow in. So it's hollow. And they had to, I, I was up till like two in the morning getting tests done at the hospital just to make sure that that wasn't a, like a big issue and it's not, but like they will absolutely make sure that you are 100% healthy and they will and waste your time. That's incredible to me. I didn't, you know, I didn't know how deep they got in that process, uh, you know, in terms of, it sounds to me like they're just trying to find out anything that's wrong is what it sounds like. Yes. Like, and I, I said this before, um, but the combine is yeah. about checking boxes. So, like for health, they are they're they're they want to check boxes, and they're looking for a reason wow. to disqualify you, so they can say, you know, hey, yeah. we shouldn't look at this guy. We shouldn't look at like that's a health evaluation. Like the on field testing, they're just trying to make sure that their thoughts mm -hmm. line up with how you actually perform. But like the medical, that is their one chance to like take a guy off the draft board. Like he's going to be a risk health wise. He's got this. So and the third. So with saying that, <clears throat> two is obviously going in the draft. Um, does he fit best? Yes. Where does he fit best? That's a, a great question. Um, it's looking like uh, Miami is the mm -hmm. team that has eyes on him. Um, and that would be a unique situation because I don't really know what's yeah. going on with Fitzmagic. And they've got uh, Rosen who has completely fallen off. But like, uh, if they think that too is a quarterback of the future and they're willing to, they're willing to take a couple L's. I think they have three first round picks right. this year. Yes. So I don't know if they, I don't know if they draft with all those. I don't know if they try to, um, get rid of a couple, you know, draft one first rounder, maybe two, and then, you know, dole out the other pick to try to get more picks in the later part of the draft. I don't know what they're going to do, but they have a situation where, they can take that quarterback. They might tank for another year, but they can keep adding guys to their roster, really talented young guys. And then all of a sudden, they'll yeah, look like a completely good point. different team. And, and sometimes it's like, first of all, it, it's been long enough, so why not wait another year, right, for, for them to get things together? Right. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. I also heard something this morning, actually, about uh, if he possibly fell to Carolina, that would be – would be a good fit. I believe Joe Brady is there now. So yes, he is. And that that was the other talk. And I don't know how feasible this is because you would have to sell the franchise. But um, they there was a little rumor about Carolina maybe trying to trade up <laughs> to number one. Burrow, yeah. Uh, so they could get Burrow and Burrow yeah, and, and Brady. You know could what? Be I never put anything past anyone nowadays. You know, 
I just don't. Well, that, that would be kind of funny, actually. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah. before we get in into some money talk and some, some coaching talk, because I heard a lot of funny things uh, this week also in terms of coaching in college, uh, the biggest change, Joshua, from going from the college level to the NFL is what? I think the the knowledge of the game and vet guys – know the game inside and out. And, and people always say, oh, the NFL is a faster game. Um, you can't tell me that a nine-year vet is a physically faster player than yeah, a yeah. 22-year-old rookie, but they sure. can play a lot faster because they know the game better. Um, and that's the biggest difference is those guys are trained. They know it. They, they understand. They can handle the big playbook because they've played in all these different systems, and they just they just know. And it yeah, takes guys but, a long I mean, time to get I would say that is speed. definitely one. Is, is – it hard, I guess, when you talk about money, what is it like to go from a college kid who's not making any money, who probably, you know, sometimes didn't grow up with a lot of money to being boom, depending on where you're drafted, you've got millions of dollars. I mean, I would think that would be one of the biggest, biggest changes. Yeah, I mean, even for a guy in my spot being a fourth round pick, like you get drafted and it's not yeah. millions, but you get hundreds of thousands of dollars. And and you, I mean, as as a young person who's never really had money anyway, you tend to overestimate how much, yeah. you know, like 50,000 is or how much 100,000 is, or even like you tend to overestimate mm-hmm. how far a million dollars can go. And I think it's our our perspective and our concept of money that gets guys into trouble. It's not necessarily that they're they have bad spending habits they just don't understand the impact yeah. of how much they spend and so i think a little bit of time to educate guys on what to do and you see it with not only athletes but like a lot of folks who come into explosive wealth situations yeah. um actors and actresses singers um even business owners who kind of their, their money explodes and then all of a sudden yeah. they're looking back and they didn't pay their taxes and um, you know they, they took on a little bit too much debt and they're in trouble. I, I think it's more of a cultural thing than anything else that we truly don't understand uh, finances yep. and we well, don't speaking understand Speaking of money, money. Uh, taking a little quick break, a brand new sponsor is Bet Online. If you missed your chance to bet on the Chiefs and Niners, well, guess what? You've got chances for a lot of other stuff because you can always bet on things. Uh, Blue Wire is excited to be partnering with Bet Online to help you win big no matter what time of the year. With March Madness, the Masters, and Major League uh, o- Baseball Opening Day right around the corner, Bet Online has you covered for all your latest news scores and odds. It's the uh, best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Plus, it's never too early to lay down your future bet. Hunt Super Bowl 2021. Head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy. And if you're already making wagers, it's a fantastic way to support this podcast. Uh, Again, that's promo code BLUEWIRE. All one word when you sign up at betonline.ag. Bring your best bets home with Bet Online, your online sports book experts. So, segueing into our next segment, and also this week during the Super Bowl down in Miami, there were a lot of pro athletes, former pro athletes, that were making appearances on these national shows. 
And there was one guy by the name of Deion Sanders who talked about going into college coaching. And he not only said he was going to think about doing it, he said he was going to do it. He said he is going to be a college football coach. Your thoughts on that? Like, what are your what are your qualifications? Like, he started a, a high school, and he coached the team, and then the high school folded. I, here's here's the reality of the situation: if somebody's willing to say, "All right, we want to get a guy in here who's going to be great in front of the media, he's going to be a really good recruiter, he's going to do well with donors, but he's unproven as a football coach, so we need to get some surefire coordinators in," maybe you take that risk. But we we've seen coaches who we know are very good coaches Mm -hmm. perform poorly. So how do you justify hiring a guy who's never coached at a high level? Like I, I, somebody's going to do it. I I have a feeling, but I'm, I'm just, I'm going to shaking my head the whole time. It's easy for somebody like Deion Sanders, who, you know, is, is, what he is in in terms of football. And then he's had a media career ever since uh, with the NFL network. And he's, he's been on all the major platforms. And so, you know, I think it's easy for a guy like that who still has not had that coaching experience to go on and say, I mean, and when I say he said he's going to be a college football coach that there was like no joke about it. Like it was like straight face. Like I'm going to do it. Yeah. No, I mean, he said he, next year. He said next year. Yeah, he's going to be yeah. coaching college football. Yeah, I, I saw that, and I was like, okay, speak it into existence if that's how you feel. But I, I, if I yeah. were an AD, would laugh. Well, and, and if like, anything, you've got, to, you've got to work your way in to doing that in a different matter. And I know these these guys think that they're going to be handed everything. I think that's just the mentality of it. Like they're handed a job after they play. Because all of them sure. get media jobs that pay thousands of dollars, right. hundreds of thousands. Sure. I mean, in this cat, yeah. you know, he, he's an elite player, which you never take that away from him. But like, I know plenty of elite yeah. players who would be awful teachers and awful leaders of young men. Well, so and here's a guy, I, it just so doesn't translate. There's another me. guy, uh, pro football Hall of Famer, Ed Reed. He uh, announced that he's kind of going back to his roots. He's rejoining the Miami Hurricanes. However... Uh, Reed has been hired as the chief of staff for the Hurricanes football program. So it's not like he's going in and, and he's the head coach and whatever. He wants to be involved, and, and I give him credit for that. Um, but he's doing it in a different way. So it, it's probably what the hell is just the chief of staff? having your, your say on a lot of things. Um, yeah, I guess so. He's working I guess at the White put, House? They're putting in titles what are we now, doing? you know, a I, chief I, of staff I, of the Miami <laughs> Hurricanes. New title there. What are we doing? And I was reading, it said he was going to be an advisor on Mm -hmm. all matters pertaining to football. What the hell does that mean? Like, is he going to be calling plays? Like, does does he, is he going to help game plan? Does, I mean, is he the analytics department now? Or is he just working with the guys off the field? I don't know what that means. And I think we're going to see a lot more of this, Joshua. I think we're going to see a lot more of integrating these former players um, because you know what it all has to do with money. And you're get it's all what it has to do with. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're, and they're getting these names in, and then you're like, oh, well, you know, with these names, we can get recruits, right? It's just, I think that sure. this is more the future than it is anything, is we're going to start seeing this. Well, 
I'll jump in on that. Uh, I think a lot of it does have to do with the money aspect for sure, but the recruiting is huge. And in saying that, it is a shame that the Miami Hurricanes have to bring in a former player to be chief of staff to try to gain an edge in recruiting. Because when you look at one of the elite programs, like one that I grew up watching, that was like one of the programs. It was the Hurricanes. I mean, I don't understand how they have to now bring in former guys and do these little gimmicks and the turnover chain and all this, that, and the third to have it, people it's, excited about It's crazy, about though, program. because they just have not been relevant so long. And and you're right, though. I mean, we all knew what they were. And no, those of bad. us who, you know, not necessarily grew up watching them, that we just knew the history of Miami's program and just the tradition and how it's complete. I mean, they've tried to do different things, and it just seems to not be reviving. Maybe this is the latest in trying to figure out how to revive the program. I don't know, uh, but it will be interesting to see what happens with that. Speaking of money, uh, dollar dollar bills, the Southeastern Conference, I, I hate reading this. <laughs> I hate reading this. The Southeastern Conference schools each received more than $44.6 million in total revenue uh, that was distributed by the league, a seven-figure increase from the previous fiscal year. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey said this last sure. week that the league handed over just over $651 million of total revenue among the 14 members for the 2018-19 year, which ended in uh, August 2019. I'm sorry, but uh, like you just see right there what the SEC is doing. <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, it's uh, – so – I think the money is just sickening and I'll, I'll, I'll come with the big 10 stats now. So um, nearly $759 million in fiscal year 2018, uh, which led to $54 million mm-hmm. being doled out to each team. Uh, and a lot yes. of that was driven by the TV agreement. So let me, let me rewind this real oh, quick. I know you're taking I, I gotta, it there. That's I why I put it in the there. podcast. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, a lot of this money, um, it it doesn't okay. go to these schools' athletic departments. A lot yeah. of it goes to the universities themselves. So they can build libraries and you know they can do maintenance or whatever the hell they want to do with the money. I, it's not for me to spend. But to say, and, and, and keep in mind, a lot of this money does come from TV revenue, which is driven by football. And you can directly attribute some value to the athletes yes, because people tune in to watch them play. Now, in saying that, it is so disingenuous when folks try to say, well, universities don't have the money to pay these guys. And I think that the name, image, and likeness is a better route than the universities actually paying players. But if that's your excuse, why? That's terrible. $54 million the Big Ten schools received. million each school in the SEC received. And you're trying to say that, oh, well, the schools can't afford it. And, you know, the athletes are, they're getting their, their, their proper compensation via scholarship. Yeah. Um, what? And I'm not, I'm not trying to downplay that because it's, it's a great head start in life to be college educated and leave with no debt. But you you cannot justify to me that 
the scholarship yeah. is worth what these TV deals are bringing in and that there's not the well, money to, I'm just, it, yeah, I'm I mean, I, when I saw when I, that, I, I see these the, numbers. the first topic that my mind went to, especially because I know you're so adamant on that issue and, and you gotta, you, you gotta yeah. think like, at what point do we start really trying to figure this out? Like in terms of actually doing something. Well, reality too, like, yeah, I know. They can't they can't pay the players. Um and, and so that's how you see Ed Orgeron getting one point eight million dollars in bonuses in the postseason. And that's why Clemson has a slide in their football facilities because they have to spend the money, but they can't spend it they can't directly give it to the players. So they'll spend it on coaches and they'll spend it on facilities and say, Well, the players get to use these great facilities and da 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 da. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a whole mess. I, I just, I can't understand <laughs> how we're and I, I, so history lesson, there was a time in the history of college football where um, college football players were getting paid and many of them were actually not enrolled in universities mm-hmm. and they played for multiple universities at the same time. That is the history of college football. That's literally how college football got its start. Then at some point, somebody said, well, we need to make sure these kids are actually enrolled in classes, which I'm all for. If you're a college football player, you should be in college full time. Get it. But then somebody said, well, now we can't pay these guys either. Now These guys got to, I mean, these guys got to be working for free. And then that's how we got to where we're at. And I just always just kind of get frustrated when I read about that stuff. And I think about the numbers. Um, And like you said, it's, you know, they're not going to pay them, but it's, it's hard to just know, like you said, oh, that, that money's just going to, uh, you know, this or that. It, it's just pretty much being wasted on things that it shouldn't be. You want to, you want to get this one. So the Ohio State's okay. licensing apparel deal. So like Jersey sales, like I'll take just jerseys in, in um, like playoff or big 10 championship yeah. or, or national championship okay. like t-shirts and, and adjacent apparel like hats and stuff so um when ohio yeah. state won the national championship when i was there there was a a spike sure. in sales which you can directly sure. attribute to the fact that ohio state won a national championship but the revenue breakdown for royalties is 85 cents on the dollar goes to the university, it goes to student life, it goes to the building fund, uh, it goes to alumni associations. 15 cents on the dollar goes to the athletic department. So even with a spike that you can directly attribute to what the athletic department did in terms of winning a championship, they only see 15% of that money. How in the hell is that fair? No, it's not at all. Uh, I mean, I could I could sit here and go all day, and and th- I mean, the fact of the matter is, the money exists. The market definitely exists. There's a whole football economy, yeah. and it's it's time to start incorporating the players. Hey, if uh, you would like to Venmo way. me, <laughs> Commissioner Sankey, uh, you can Venmo me at Kayla Anderson. <laughs> Swear. Um, well that will do it for this episode of press pass again we thank you guys always for listening Uh, it is a new year and so hopefully we get some new listeners on here for you guys if you want to go to itunes that's where you can find us and you can just type in press pass really easy just click that subscribe button right there and then right below you can give us a rate five stars and review 
And uh, we'd really appreciate that. You can follow us also on social media. We are uh, at Press Pass Pod on Instagram, always giving you updates on when our latest episodes come out. You can follow me on at Kayla Anderson TV on both Instagram and Twitter. And Joshua, always very active on social media platforms. Yes, at RIP underscore JEP. Um, I'm very active. I love a nice little conversation yeah. we could talk about some of the stuff that we ran through today. Right? I mean, there's some great topics in the show. I think this show is a banger. So, I mean, if anything, we could talk yeah. about Tua. We could talk about Ed Reed. We could talk about the Super Bowl. And we could talk about why it is so asinine that these college athletes aren't getting a little bit of money in their pocket. Exactly. Come at you. Come at you. We, whatever you guys want to talk about, we got you. Yeah, even if you have a topic you want to talk about, you know, let us know and we'll put it on the show for sure. Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back next week. Uh, enjoy a great week in February. Take care.